The following is a presentation by The Tabernacle, a community of changed lives. For more information regarding service times, or if you would like to make a donation to The Tabernacle, you can do so by visiting our website at www.thetabchurch.com. Jesus said that the harvest is plentiful, the harvest of souls. But he said the workers are few. And the one prayer request that I see in all of scripture that Jesus gave, he said, ask the Lord of the harvest to send more workers into the harvest field. He said, man, I just need workers. Translation, I just need dominoes who will suit up and show up and be a part of multiplying and making disciples. Think about your own journey. Think about your own story. Who did God use? What did he use? We all have these individual stories, but our testimonies trace back. If you start from the cross and trace back to when you were as far away from God as you could possibly be, it seems that God uses ordinary men and women at different places in our journey. Uh, we're the Tabachkins. I'm Kevin Tabachka. This is my wife, Gretchen. And uh, <laughs> we, have, we have two children, uh, Alec and Jolie. It's great to see the historical building being reused, repurposed, and bringing love back into the community. The possibilities are really endless with, with this size building in this location. Vivian Kessler, I'm Larry's wife. I'm Larry Kessler. I keep coming back because, you know, we, we just we want to come someplace where we um, hear the truth about the Bible. And we're finding that, you know, this is just a great, um, great church. And we're hearing a lot of um, truth and um, the doctrine is um, really right on. And we love the pastors and... Um, everybody involved. Well, I think uh, the completion of the building will then uh, be a great house. Uh, it's a very inviting place, and it's easy easy to find. And then it'll be just home, you know, like going to your own home. This will be our church home. So when God called the tabernacle to Manistee, he has shown up in many ways. He's provided people that were skilled in some of the remodel projects that we had to do. He's brought in people that knew how to do the framing and flooring and redo joists on the main floor, welders, all sorts of people. We know that God is involved in this project in Manistee because he has provided so much. Just this summer, we had a anonymous donation of $100,000 that went towards the building project in Manistee. God is moving in Manistee, and we encourage you to be part of that moving process. We take great risks, but we do it because we're trusting God. We don't take risks for the sake of taking risks. We're a generous church. We, we like to practice giving ourselves away. We don't always do it perfectly. But we encourage people that are following Jesus, who are loving God, loving people, and make disciples to give themselves away in generosity. 
It's part of our invitation for you, if you're going to be a part of our church, to live a life as a domino, to be intentional about it. And then start telling the stories, sharing the stories. It's cool when you start seeing how connected we are and how God uses the ordinary to do the extraordinary. That was a cool video, wasn't it? Uh, I'm Tim, one of the pastors. I'm so glad you're here today. Uh, Thanks for braving the snow. Uh, If you're going to complain about snow, there's a department uh, across at the back of the parking lot for you to complain uh, about the snow that's over in the snow. Uh, Snow can be beautiful. Uh, The Big Give. Um, How many of you have had an opportunity to travel and see the Manistee campus or work over there? Uh, some of us have. Uh, for the rest of you, you got a, a little bit of a glimpse. It's kind of cool, isn't it? it it's kind of cool. Uh, John made a statement there uh, at, at the end that's absolutely true. True, We take risks. Uh, we are indeed risk takers. Uh, the moment we sense everybody's too comfortable, we'll change everything uh, just to bug you. But risk is like this. Uh, we were sitting in a leadership meeting. Uh, and we are trying to decide if we pull the trigger on Manistee. Do we do it or don't we? Got to be in or out. Uh, and through the course of discussion, uh, John said this. Uh, it would seem to me, with all of the doors that God has opened, that we as leaders would be disobedient if we didn't go. So we're going. It's awesome. So this big give moment. Uh, Everything that we collect uh, from this big give offering, uh, and we've done it for a a lot of years now at this time of year, Thanksgiving, uh, is going to go to get us in that building. The hope is we'll be in there uh, mid-January, and we are so excited. Are you excited? Uh, I preached in Manistee last week. They had 160 chairs set up. There were 157 people there. Right? So isn't that cool? So, uh, yeah, let's get excited about this. so we can give uh, the Sunday after, or the weekend after Thanksgiving, uh, it coincides there, and we do that on purpose because it's a thanks offering back to God. Uh, there's many ways to give. You can give online, you can give in the offering, you can do multiple things, and, and we're excited about that, but I'm going to give you the inside scoop on something that's really amazing to me. Uh, after Thanksgiving, the... Uh, people, uh, Kit most likely, I believe, is going to be getting a link from Facebook. And that link is going to be sent out. And if you give via that link on Facebook, every single penny that is given will be doubled. Okay, how about every $10 will be doubled. Okay, look, guys, I'm Dutch. This is a really good deal, okay? (laughs) This is a really good deal. So... You know, if that offering ends up being small on that weekend after, but suddenly we go, wow, it's going to be double. Now, there is a limit, okay? So we have to be careful how much we give. There's a limit. It's $8 million. <laughs> so if you got that $8 million check, see me. That would be awesome, but it can't bounce, though. Uh, so uh, we are in uh, Mark. And we're in the series, The Time Has Come. We're going to be uh, in chapter 4 this week. Uh, but before we begin, I'm, I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads. I want to pray for us and for me. Uh, Father, you are uh, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are ruler of all and you are good. Right now, you know 
every single person here, you know what's in their hearts. You know what their fears are, what their successes are. You know what their struggles are. You know intimately. And Father, that is beyond my ability to comprehend, but I want to believe it, and I do. I have faith in that. It's been so evident in my life, and I've seen it evident in others. Father, I ask that uh, whatever words come out of my mouth, that they be words that glorify and honor you and you alone. If it doesn't, Father, make it fall on deaf ears. You've taken what was broken, me, and you've resurrected a life of chaos into something that resembles beauty. And each of those gifts is from you. Father, may we fall in love with you in a way that we didn't even know was possible. I ask this in your blessed and holy name. Amen. So the time has come, Mark. Uh, We love Mark because uh, he gives us things in bullet points. There's not a lot of uh, extras in here. This would be what I would read if I was in school uh, because it's short. Uh, And and that's the way my brain works. My brain is short. You can translate that however you like. But this is the deal is he's got plain words for us. Last week we talked about three parables. uh, And the parables had to do with dirt. And it was about being good dirt. Uh, And it... It warned us about certain paths, and what those paths represented were hearts, ready or not. This week, Jesus is teaching the disciples. There are some others around, and he's continuing to tell parables. And they're simple stories that illustrate a spiritual lesson. It's a spiritual principle. It's a spiritual truth. It's something that we can apply to our life. Now, these stories were told 2,000-some years ago, and it was in context of Jesus' time. So that everybody there would get it. The cool thing is, is they're timeless. They're timeless because it's written. He's telling this parable for you. And he's telling it for me. And he's telling it for us. So let's begin. Verse 21, Mark chapter 4. He said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to the light. If anyone has ears, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. Jesus is telling his disciples and you and me, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And still more will be added to you. For the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. So what is he talking about? Jesus is talking about something that uh, I believe can easily be summed up in kingdom light. It's kingdom light shines. So he's talking about light. And he's telling these disciples this story. So I want you to imagine uh, you go home and this terrible tragedy happens at home. You get there and there's no power. Right? And it's dark. It's dark outside. So it's nighttime and there's no power. And if you're like me, you're going to walk and you're going to hit that light switch probably 12 times. (laughs) I know it's not there, but right, just in case. And I'm probably going to pull out a device and check where's my battery because I need to figure out a way. I will go build something to power this, right? (laughs) So imagine it's that dark. Jesus is saying, okay, so you've been given this light. 
So just in a practical sense, if you take a light and you put it under your bed, it does no good. It's covered. The whole bed is covered. Now, that would be a foolish thing to do uh, for a variety of reasons. Number one is the light in Jesus' time were lamps with flames. Get it? So don't put that under your bed. You might fall asleep and wake up uncomfortable. And then he says, uh, or do you take the light and put it over in the corner and then put a basket over it? And, you know, it's a basket that completely covers the light and now it's dark. Would you do that? And, of course, the disciples are going, no, Jesus, we wouldn't do that because we'd walk into the room, it's completely dark, and we're going to stub our toes. Boom. So he says, yeah, it's supposed to be on the lampstand, isn't it? What happens when the light comes up? Everything is visible. You can see danger, but you can see comfort. Suddenly, it's less scary. Spiders run away from the dark, or the light, I mean, right? And I don't like spiders, so they run away. So light is good. He's saying light is good. So he also tells them this moment. He says, pay attention to what you hear. And he tells this little thing that almost seems mean. What he's saying is, to those of you that hear, that use your ears and listen, not just listen, but apply, there's an application, uh, something magnificent is going to happen, and more of that is going to be given to you. The light that Jesus is talking about, the kingdom light, uh, for our practical purposes today, it comes from Scripture. It comes from the Bible. So he's saying, here it is. You can read this. You can hear this. You can study this. And it's going to be a light to you if you hear and apply. But if you don't, it's going to be taken away. And we're kind of like Americans are weird. Because we go, well, that's not really fair, is it? I mean, doesn't that seem a little unfair to that guy or woman or family that has a lot? More is going to be given. And to those that are like, really don't have anything, more will be taken away. That seems rude. My experience has been it's absolute 100% truth. And here's why. The light is given, so maybe in my life, uh, someone comes along and they see a dark spot, and, and Jesus is saying, he who has ears, let him hear, more is going to be given. And that person is sharing something with me, and the light is now revealed in a new area. Now, it's my responsibility what I do with the light. And if I choose to hear, but not listen, it's like, yeah, that's really good, that's good, that's good. And then when they get farther away, for you. goes away i can hear truth but if it's not real to me if i haven't let it work the way god designed it to work it just is like taking a bushel basket and putting it over and now you can't see the light it goes away and then other truths that i've had the world around me is going to tell me how dumb some of those truths are and those will be gone as well i've seen it i've watched it it happens You can try it if you want. I'm going to tell you, don't, uh, because it leads to pain and to ruin, uh, which we all can suffer from, but it leads to pain and ruin with no hope. So if we continue in this story, verse 26, and he said, this is Jesus, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter a seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. 
The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. So I don't know about you. But here's some interesting things to me. Uh, we're told today that science has most of the answers. And science is wonderful. This isn't a, a bashing of science in any way, shape, or form. Uh, it has brought about things that make our life so much better. You know, going to the doctor and just some of the stuff they can do is, w- w- with science has been incredible, right? So, so it's good. Uh, there's a lot of farmers around here. And uh, science has helped yield bigger crops. And that's a good thing. But this seed that's scattered, Jesus taught us about the good dirt, and there's good dirt. That's dirt that has a soft heart ready to learn, but there's dirt that has thorns in it, and things get choked away. And there's dirt that has, like, really thin soil, and it sprouts but dies. And then there's hard where nothing happens. The dirt responsibility is on us. Okay, that's our job. What what is the dirt like? Uh, And he's talking about you scatter the seeds... And it lands, and it seems fruitless that it's going to land on a hard ground, but, you know, we don't get to choose that. So the seeds are scattered, and then the farmer goes to sleep, and then he wakes up and goes to sleep, wake up, goes to sleep, and there it is, right? It's, it, it's pretty awesome. The thing is, is we don't know how it grew. We don't. We know why. So scientists can give us the reasons things grow, Right? And, and they can tell us about words like chlorophyll or stuff. I failed that class, okay? Just get off my back. <clears throat> so they can explain a little bit to us how things happen. Uh, but seeds are miraculous, and it says he knows not how. So think about this grass seed. I love grass seed. Grass is amazing. It's a gift from God. I have grass. Once you plant grass, it grows, and then you get to mow it, and that is heaven because you cannot hear a phone when you're on a mower. Right? It's beautiful. So I've spread seed, and grass has grown. It starts out little. All of a sudden, you look out, and there's a green haze, and within a month, you're mowing. It's beautiful. But that seed that I bought came from, let's say, Menards. I bought this bag of seed, and the seed, who knows how long it's been there or on trucks. And I spread some of it, and then I fold it up, and I set it in my garage. And then it is there for four years, and then I pull some more out and spread it, and it grows. Here's the ridiculous thing. How does this work? It's been 185 in my garage during the summer, okay, where that seed was stored. And then it's been 185 below zero in the winter, because we live in Michigan, and it's gone through season and back and season and back, and then I pull that seed out and I spread it, and it grows. Jesus says he knows not how, and we don't. You can give scientists all they want, but they cannot identify why that seed germinates. They could tell you all of the steps But there is life inside that seed that they do not have an explanation for. Now, Jesus is talking a spiritual truth. And here's the spiritual truth. Have you ever met someone that you would consider ugly? Like, not their life. You've watched and you see and you judge and you're 
it feels hopeless. And somehow or other at 60 years old, this person, something happens and the seed begins to grow. It may have been from a sermon. It may have been from experience. Sometimes it's huge, horrible experience. Sometimes it's just life is happening and I just need more. I'm searching. We're all searching for truth. And this seed begins to grow. It's been through all of the seasons. And Jesus says, will you not worry about how this seed grows? We know that this seed in northern Michigan, the soil needs to be 50-something, needs a little bit of water, uh, And it needs light. So he's talked to us about the light. The kingdom light is Jesus. Right? So that's the kingdom light. But the kingdom growth is mysterious. Ooh. Ooh. I mean, we can get all worried about that. It's mysterious. It's weird. It's almost magical. Uh, and we don't like to use those words because then everybody wants to talk about Harry Potter. And it's like, I've heard enough of you from that great story, not real. But this is real. And it's mysterious. And for us to worship a king of kings who says, it's mysterious, you know not how. You don't know how it happens. He does. Now, I think that's beautiful because in Deuteronomy 21, 21, it says, says, God reveals everything that we need to know and that some things are secret from us and those are his. The things we know, we are supposed to be responsible for. The things that don't, stop speculating, it will hurt your brain. I don't get it. How does this seed grow? I don't get it. And he says, don't worry about that. Here's the conditions. Why? Why is more important, not how. The why is so that you can live a life that has some fulfillment, a life with less worry, a life with hope. It's that there can be purpose and meaning and even in tragedy and even in struggles and even in places where we're just living in this world of, I don't know, it's too chaotic. There's something, there's this thing called hope and the hope is in Christ. And he's got a purpose for us and he's saying, I'm, I want you to understand this is twofold. It's about the kingdom and then it's about the kingdom. It's about the kingdom of Christ, and it's about the kingdom that grows in you. In Luke, it tells us the Pharisees were asking, I believe it's in Luke 17, where, when, the kingdom. And he says, it isn't going to be something you're going to be able to see because it begins within you. The kingdom is in you. If you call Christ your Lord, the kingdom is in you. It's not a scary thing. It isn't being possessed. We still have free will. But it's mystical. And it's beautiful. And I want to worship a God that keeps secrets from me because he knows if he revealed the truth of everything to me, my head would explode and I would be dead. He knows that. I can't comprehend. And I'm okay with that. God's a little bit smarter than me. And maybe you. If we move to verse... 30, it's the last of the parables he's talking to his disciples about. So they're sitting around, the disciples. I, I, I'm picturing this. They're around a campfire. Uh, and he begins to go, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? And what parable shall we use for it? Pause right there. Okay, so think about this. These are Jewish guys. They've been hanging out. 
They've lived their life. They've got the stories over and over and over. And someday God is going to win and there's going to be a kingdom on earth. And so they're going to get the inside story. Finally. I mean, Peter puts down his beer to listen. See, some of you were really offended by that. Peter put down his uh, Diet Coke and he was really listening. He was paying attention. Because finally we're going to hear this, right? We're going to hear the kingdom of God. So when you think about it, it's like it's built with rocks this big. And there's super thick, wide walls, and it's really tall, and it's white and gorgeous. It's a castle. It'll make every other castle go to shame. It's going to have streets and have color in them. It's going to be awesome, and I get to be there. So the disciples are super excited at this moment. God is finally, they've heard about the kingdom for a really long time. And he's going, so what do I compare it to? They're elbowing each other, making sure everybody's awake, and they're paying attention. And this is what Jesus says. It's so perfect it is like a grain of mustard seed what what jesus wait 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 no we've got the growing part you've talked about soil and light and you know you've talked about these various things now we're talking about the actual kingdom they don't say that but i think they did it is like a grain of mustard seed which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet, when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants. It puts out large branches so that the birds of the air, the birds of the air, can make nest in its shade. With such parables, uh, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable. But privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. So here's this reveal, the big reveal. So let's say we had a campaign and we're going, hey, uh, the Tabernacle campuses, what can we compare it to? You guys have worked and worked and slaved and sacrificed and you've given and come out in and go, it's like a pile of grass seed. Right? That's kind of funny. You can laugh. Because you're going to have a level of disappointment. Because what we're looking for is something completely different. This is where Jesus continues to teach how he always teaches. He takes whatever our perception of power and love and glory is and flips it upside down. What do I compare the kingdom of God? Kingdom of God. What do I compare this to? We want something that says the kingdom is unstoppable. That's what we desire. That means force, power. He says, like a mustard seed. When it's sown, it's the smallest. There's a reference in there to what type of ground it's sown on. But we have to read it all to get that. But it's sown, and some of those mustard seeds are going to shoot. They're going to take off. Uh, now, those mustard seeds can still be in danger, but uh, this is the Middle East where these grow. These are common. This tree begins to grow, and I don't know how old they get. Or I, I did take a look at what they look like. They look like trees like that. You get it? You see that? Trees that go up. So these trees grow up, and then as, as they mature, they're, they're, they're the biggest ones in the garden, and they're providing rest and shade, and birds can make nests in them. It's a very beautiful picture. And Jesus keeps teaching them in parables. 
in this parable uh, about, about this, you know, the kingdom is unstoppable. How does that even fit in there? Very simply, she's turning everything upside down and he's talking about the broad kingdom of God and he's talking about the kingdom of God in you. So it's us and it's us. It's me and it's us. It's me and it's we. So the, the bride of Christ, the church, that's part of the kingdom. That's part of the kingdom. That's what we have today. And today, this light that continues to shine at just the right, and, and it's mysterious. We don't quite know how things happen, but when he speaks, we're supposed to really pay attention and listen so that, so that we're going to grow more. It's going to be better for us. And, and suddenly, we're a tree. And the tree grows, and the tree provides, and the tree bears fruit, and the tree isn't smart. The tree's just a tree. So this kingdom that's unstoppable, you can't stand there when a tree is growing and will it to stop, can you? You cannot. You can pray that it stops. You can hope that it stops. Now, you can go out and physically damage. You can martyr that tree. You can cut it down. My experience with that is I have a lot of trees that I don't want. I want more grass, right? So I have to answer less phone calls. So I cut the tree down, and then in a little while, those roots are pretty deep, and that thing grows another tree. It's unstoppable. I have to go out with poison practically and kill it or rip it out by its roots. What Jesus is saying is this tree, this mustard seed, is you. And you get to be part of the kingdom. And when we're part of the kingdom, suddenly something amazing happens. So let's say there's a garden of trees, and there's trees all over, and the wind comes, a mighty wind comes. They begin to shelter each other. There's an encouragement from the trees to each other. There's something spectacular. And and here's the deal, is you don't get to choose how old of a tree you are. You just are. So you're a tree. Maybe you're new to Christ. Okay, you're a sapling. That's cool. There's other big trees around you that are going to help protect you. In fact, if frost comes, those big branches keep it warm. If you're a teenage tree uh, growing all weird and everybody goes, oh, that's a teenage tree because it has pimples all over it, <laughs> you're still the tree. And there's others around you. And, and through the uniqueness of your experiences, we go through adolescence to young adulthood to a very old. The older they get, the more stable they are. And, and, and the more they can shelter and the more they can produce. But the one thing that that tree needs to survive is light. It needs water, of course. It's got its roots way down. So even during dry times, it can get nourishment and continue to grow. But if it goes dark from now on, that tree will die. So Jesus has given us these incredible little stories, these parables, these Simple stories that illustrate a, a spiritual truth. And, and it's hard in America to go, this is truth. And all I can do is share my experience and tell you that it's real. It's true. What we're talking about here is true. The kingdom grows in us. We're told to pay attention to the light so that the kingdom can grow. 
Jesus is the light. We pay attention to Jesus. The kingdom grows. And it grows in a couple different ways. It grows in us. See, light illuminates. And sometimes, you know, it's just like, oh, they're going to talk about the dark sin that's hidden. And and yeah, you know, that's one of the things that the light uncovers. Uh, and, And we're afraid of that. But here's another thing that it uncovers. It uncovers secrets. Sometimes uh, a portion of us will live life with an element of shame. And in that shame, we don't ever want anybody to know that. We're afraid of authority. We're afraid of what, what, whatever it is. But we don't want somebody to know that shame. And, and suddenly, here's an opportunity. And, and what Jesus is, is, is asking us to do to, is, is to let the light in, in us, so that that shame goes away. And he can reveal something else within us that's stunningly beautiful that you didn't even know was there. So at my best, when I'm watching the congregation, it's amazing how much beauty there is here and in last night's service and earlier this morning and in Manistee. It's stunning. Online. There's so much beauty that can come out. And the only way the beauty is revealed is when the light shines. God has a mystical way of using that. But the kingdom of God within us is also something... I'm going to give you an illustration here. So it's not a parable because I'm not Jesus. And I don't have that much wisdom or truth in me. See, the shame for me was at one point... uh, I, I have a lot of difficulties in learning. So when I read the scripture, I don't know if you noticed, but my finger is always there because that's a tool that I can use. And I also read that 78 times so I can do it. I have an issue with, with that. And certain letters get really jumbled. And if I don't have my finger, I, I miss everything. I don't spell good and, and I don't math well. Uh, and, and the shame part of it is this is, my kids quit coming to me, their dad, the big strong guy, uh, when they were in third grade if they needed help with homework. Yeah, and that, that's kind of funny, but I'm telling you from the bottom of my heart, that hurt. That sucked. I hated it. I wanted to go back to school and learn how to be a better dad. Dad should know how to spell, right? I didn't. And it, it held that, you know, for a long time, and then it got revealed, and it's like what God showed me in beauty for me is like, I have a different brain. And I talk in stories, and stories mean a lot to me, and that's a beautiful thing for me. And he said, don't be ashamed of that. I made you that way. I made you that way. Use it. So that light came in, and now he's saying, here's the deal. The light needs to come from us, right? If we're going to be part of the body of Christ, if we're going to be part of the kingdom of light, we need to show light. So listen, if you have a cell phone, I'm going to ask you to take it out. Pull your cell phones out. All of you, some of you are sitting there with your hands crossed going, I don't play that game. Okay? Uh, If you turn it on and you open it up to your flashlight, don't turn your flashlight on yet. Okay? What we're going to do is this, is this light shines from us. And he said, hey, don't put it under the bed, right? Because you'll be looking for your phone all over the place. And it'll be dead. He says, uh, don't put it under the basket. We've got to let it shine. And we get all worried about, well, what's my light like? Well, 
I've been to a bunch of concerts, okay? I've been to concerts, and concerts are amazing. Uh, Bob Dylan is the best uh, that I've been to, and I've been to a lot of concerts, but I'm just telling you Bob Dylan's the best, and there's no arguing. That's my choice. But in the day when I would go to Bob Dylan concerts, and it would get to a certain spot, and everybody did this. Anybody old enough to remember that? Some of you? Yeah, some of us are, okay? Well, that's dangerous. I have a friend. If you, like, it's an eight-minute song. You have that thing up there, and then you put it in your pocket. His pocket started on fire. <laughs> so this is a safer alternative. Today, what the kids do is they turn their flashlight on. Now, don't do it yet, because I'm going to give you an opportunity to see what the light looks like. See, we have light here, but this is an external light. The light that comes from you is just as important. It's just as important. And last service, I didn't give very good directions on this. And everybody pulled out their phone, turned it on, and then went, oh, that's it. Boop, off. No, leave it on. Leave it on. I'm going to walk off stage in a minute. Leave it on while the band leads us in worship because it's stunning. It's stunning because it represents a spiritual truth. And the truth is, is when your light shines, it's attractional. And other people desire that light. So if you guys will drop the lights all the way. And if you guys will flip on your phones, hold them up, leave them up through the entire song. And don't be that guy that has to put it away. You can charge it in the car. (laughs) Jesus loves you. He's got a plan. And he wants you to listen.